So this episode is sponsored by Inside Tracker and Meg, why don't you run down what Inside Tracker is and what you can get? Yeah, so Inside Tracker was founded in 2009 by leading scientists in aging genetics and biometrics. With a simple blood test and using their patented algorithm, Inside Tracker analyzes your body's data to provide you with a clear picture of what's going on inside and to offer you science-backed recommendations for positive diet and lifestyle changes. And the good news for our listeners is for a limited time, you can get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com slash drop in. It's Thomas with Believe in the Run. This is Robbie with Believe in the Run. And this is Megan with Believe in the Run. And you're listening to The Drop, our weekly podcast about all things running and nonsense. And uh, you get to dive into some of our personal stuff. And then we interview somebody really cool. And this week, we're reviewing, we're not reviewing, interviewing. I mean, I kind of She's an okay person. I'll still review her. <laughs> no, um, we are interviewing Kathy Dirks, who we actually met at Boston after she just ran an incredible race. Uh, we may or may not have been intoxicated when we ran into each other, both her and us. Mm. You everyone, just, everyone was having beverages. You Robbie just recorded the podcast right then. Ooh, I know. I know. Good. It would have been amazing. Did I tell you what happened at that restaurant uh, that I was talking to uh, a Mexican national? And oh, yeah. You told me. Yeah. He, oh, you can say he, it again. Yeah. He picked up, he picked up the tab. All of our drinks all and of our, all of our dinner. And That's then the because, That's <laughs> sick. because I was intoxicated, I wasn't like thinking straight. Uh-huh. And so I gave a hundred dollar tip to the, our server. So not only, oh, she got the, not only did he, he get our, yeah. our check and pay for our dinner and he, yeah. the server added cause he said, put on whatever is uh-huh. a customary tip. So I'm sure he gave himself at least 20%. Yeah. And then he got an extra hundred dollars from us. Wow, that server is loving life. Uh, yeah, couple couple martinis didn't have me thinking straight, but I mean that's good karma, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean sometimes it's, that's the good side of drinking too much. You start <laughs> yeah. having conversations with st- strangers and they pick up your bar tab. Yeah, yeah. Or the guy was tab. the guy was interesting. His son was there. He didn't understand his son collecting sneakers, so I talked to him oh. about uh, like. So now his son loves you too. Yeah, because I was like, <laughs> "Well, what do you collect?" And he goes, "Well, watches, but those have value." And I go, "I mean, do they? Everything it has Every, value of something. If somebody right. nothing, wants it, nothing has value, but everything has value." Exactly. So like anyway, this podcast. Yeah. Anyway, back to Kathy Dirks. Amazing. You'll get to hear all of that at the end of this podcast. But first, let's talk about stuff to kill time <laughs> until yeah, you get to listen to burn up these minutes. <laughs> listen to her. I mean, a couple things are going on. I know Robbie has a story for us. We just finished uh, the Frederick Half Marathon, Meg and myself mm-hmm. and Brandon. Brandon spoken. Yeah. Fast. I don't even. I forget that you even run races now because it's the same same SHIT different day. Right? Is it like deja vu? I'm just trying to keep the E tag off this episode. Oh, Shit. please. <laughs> well, there it is. <laughs> that lasted. Um, yeah, I mean, let's let's talk about another win from Meg. Yeah. Oh, no, that was a terrible tee up. <laughs> I don't kidding. want that. I want to okay, talk, about, so I I'll, want to talk I'll, about I mean, why don't you talk about like just, when we walked to Packet Pickup and they're like, Megan, 
I'll be the people, everybody who we ran into. So are you going to uh, win tomorrow? Uh, you going to do this? Yeah, everyone everyone was like, so you're going to go win? And I'm like, no. Like, that was never, well. Now you have expectations placed upon your shoulders. Yeah. And, you know, I was two weeks out of Boston. I was, I just, I'm still very competitive. Like, I, I don't know how to remove the competitiveness. And I realized it wasn't, like, smart to go out and run really hard two weeks after Boston. But there was women on the field who were right around my PR pace and I couldn't help but go out with the woman who was in the lead and hang on her shoulder for as long as I could. And then overtake her yeah. with force <laughs> pass her about halfway. And I, I just kept going. Meanwhile, not racing Boston the week before <laughs> may gives me, the advice that I pretty much stuck to. Did anyone ask you if you were going to win the race? Yeah, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> they did, not that race. Um, the, um, yeah. No, it, it was kind of interesting because like, I wasn't even racing this one. Like when Megan and I were talking about it, she just wanted me to enjoy the experience. And, you know, I get a little anxiety before races and stuff like that. So she's like, I just want you to be calm. You're going to go out slow. Yeah, no pressure. You know, don't even look at your watch. So I did all that stuff. Meanwhile, Megan's out there hunting people down and uh i have to tell you it's the most fun i've had in a really long time wow like i love racing like competing against someone while running really hard is is the most fun thing i've ever done in my life meanwhile i'm like someone passed me I'm like ah enjoy the rest <laughs> of your run <laughs> oh man <laughs> but yeah I, I paid for it though like i i was more sore after this half than i have been through all of my training in the past months hmm. So it's finally caught uh, wait, up. Wait, so what was your finishing time? Okay, so here's the craziest thing. Mm-hmm, this is crazy. Um, Do you remember the BNA half? So the BNA half that I ran a couple weeks before Boston. Yeah. That was a PR for me, and it was a the official time was a 121.09. But it was long. But the course was long. Right. So, you know, whatever that really Would was. Would have been underneath that. Um, I ran a 121.09 at... Frederick. Ridiculous. Isn't the exact insane? same time to the second. You need to start doing milliseconds to see if you PR'd. <laughs> yeah, you did. There should be a laser. Someone asked if I PR'd, and I was like, I don't know. I mean, was, like, you're like, yes and maybe. no. Yeah. <laughs> I tied. A couple other things that were cool at the event was because we work with the event, they put the Believe in the Run logo on the shoot. Yeah, that was cool. So that was like my whole motivation to finish was just to go see that. <laughs> um, and then uh, Brandon... Uh, actually ran an incredibly well executed run. Mm-hmm. It's just the there's so many fast dudes there. He took um, sixth place overall. Sixth place, but with a five something minute. Yeah, five forty. Five forty pace. That is ridiculous. He was like only a few seconds off of his PR. And Frederick is not like a flat fast course. Mm-hmm. It's hilly, and I mean we did have really great weather. I have to say this is the second time I've run it, mm-hmm. and. I, I don't know why, but I kind of, even though it's not my style, of course, with the hills, I kind of like it. Like, I think it's... I think it, as long as it's not monster hills, I think hills are kind of fun. Yeah, I don't know if you no? call it monster hill. There's That's one hill saying. at mile 11 that is just a grind. Okay. Yeah. And it, especially in a half marathon. I mean, it's marathon, kind of different. But if there's, like, rolling hills, kind of up and downs for a half or 10 mile, it's kind of fun. Yeah. can be. But it's also, I think it's pretty. It's like pastoral out there. It's like, yeah, uh, you run through the town. You get to see like kind of old timey Frederick 
and then you go through some neighborhoods and then you're out in like some fields like you go through mount hood is it hood college what is the college you mm, went through maybe like hood college you okay. know, you probably know stuff maybe but um, I'm not a college expert on right. Western Maryland colleges. I do know Frostburg. That's a college. That is a college. Anyways, so uh, yeah, congratulations on the win on the dub. And and why weren't you there, Robbie? Mm, oh, I was in Florida. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> with, with my people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, how many miles did you run while uh, you're in, in Florida? How many mojitos did I drink? Or how many <laughs> miles did I run? I can answer one of those questions because yeah. I guarantee you the one is more than the other, and it's not the miles. Mojitos? Yeah. That was your drink of choice? Uh, that's for a while until I got tired of them. Um, <laughs> yeah, give us a run. You can only do so many mojitos. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of sugar. Um, so. I went to Florida for what was a vacation with some of my friend, my wife's friends, and uh, well, I got there and hung out with one of my friends from high school. Did some fishing in the Everglades. Did some beach beach stuff at Fort. Oh, by the way, Megs, I have to bring this up. I kind of texted you about it, but we when we were on a beach in Fort Lauderdale. There's like oh, yeah. this rock jetty there, and uh, and so we just had some like scuba masks that we just threw on just to see like what was in the water. And, and you know, visibility isn't great, so you're, like, trying to see stuff, see some tropical fish, and I, like, pull myself in between these, like, rocks, and I'm, like, basically face-to-face with a nurse shark. Uh, they're harmless, though, right? Yeah. I think Just scared. I think they're, like, chill, but it was not face-to-face, it was, like, two feet away, but I yeah. guess that's face-to-face. That's pretty close. I mean, yeah. that's too close for me. <laughs> if, a, if it was a shark that can snap at you or bite you, they can cover two feet pretty quick. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's still weird. There was like probably a four foot shark and it was just like laying on the sand, like next to the rocks. It was almost like camouflaged. I was like, whoa. That's... Did you freak out? Were you like, whoa? No, I didn't. Uh, it, but when you, it's dead eyes looking into your eyes, it's a little like uh, Did you feel like your soul was scanned? Yeah. Do and you know that if you do have to defend yourself, that's what you go for, the eyes? Oh, didn't. See, this is why I need yours to talk to the, you about sharks. Yours the shark's the sharks. eyeballs. <laughs> you stab him in the eyes. Okay. So that's it's kind of the same with humans. Get him to go away. I thought you were supposed to punch him in the gills. And then no, I thought it was eyeballs. the nose. Not oh, I like the nose, too. So it's basically the same thing you would do to humans. The nose? Yeah. No. Your fist is going to get way too close to those jaws. Yeah, you'll that's end up mistake. punching a tooth. Your hand will start bleeding. It'll be like, oh, it's that's the eyes, delicious. Okay. The eyes. And right. kick him in the nuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. It's very hard to tell to the kick underwater. orientation of a uh, the gender of a shark. Yeah, and you can't kick underwater, so that's the other problem. Or karate chop, really. You can. It's just slow motion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that that was really cool, but I thought of you. I was like, man, and it was only like in you know two feet of water, twenty feet offshore. I'm like, this is where people. You kind of have to explain why you thought of Megan because people may not have listened oh, well, to the we, last we, podcast. Well, oh. yeah, if you don't have listened to last week's podcast, apparently Meg's like this world's leader of shark expertise. That <laughs> She's got a degree leader. from Discovery Channel. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, shark Week is a national holiday for mm-hmm. your family. Yep, yeah. but. Anyway, so that was cool, and then we went to a club med, which like I never been to one. And oh, it was just, it actually a club med. It just made me think of like the eighties. I haven't heard club med since like yeah the nineties. Like yeah, I, I, I didn't, didn't even know. know it still existed. Yeah, so there's still club med. Yeah, I mean, it looked like it was still in the eighties. Okay, and it, like I don't think there were any upgrades since then. But it was kind of nice because you just kind of like chill and drink and have a good time with friends. And stuff. Yeah, like, I think there's something for. You know, all times like you drink a mojito, mm-hmm. it's delicious. 
Yeah. But you don't want to be stuck drinking mojitos the entire time, so then you get a beer. Yeah, a margarita. It's the same thing with vacations. It's fun. Margarita. Mojito, then margarita. That's that's the wrong direction. Dude, I was sugared (laughs) up for like, I had like a sugar rush going on for a few hours at one point. I was like, I need to chill. But just like drinks, sometimes Mm. it's nice to go on an adventure vacation. Sometimes it's nice to just go someplace to chill and let somebody else worry about everything. That's That was the nice thing because usually I do vacations where I just like plan a ton of stuff. Like a lot of planning goes into it. Yeah. And it was nice being like, oh, we just hang out. Wake up. Yeah. What am I going to do today? Yeah. Chances so, are drink. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mojitos. All that to say, uh, I only went for a three mile run. And by the way, on that three mile run, a bunch of dead snakes along the road. So, and look at my... Look at my legs. What so is that? I got stung by a bee in the middle of the run. <laughs> oh, no. And it's still, you can see it, mate. There's yeah. all that sugar get, in your blood. It's still like swollen and red was four days later. Oh. So maybe it was a real African, what do they call those? The Wu-Tang um, killer bees? The, the Af- African angry bees, whatever. I don't know. If yeah, Robbie I mean, doesn't show up to work, we know what happened. Maybe the stinger's still in there. It's a little souvenir from Florida. Yeah. But... Yeah, so that was unenjoyable in the middle of a run. I'm just like, I guess I got to keep running. Pump that venom through my Yeah, you, you probably got more venom by having your adrenaline and, and blood yeah. flow. Yeah, but um, I feel like there is one other thing. Um, I have to say, between getting bit by a shark or stung by the bee, though, I'd go with the bee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's just like, if you're in Florida... Oh, so then we were like fishing in Florida and there was just alligators everywhere <laughs> in this like little pond. Oh, I saw your story. Yeah, they're just You guys were very close to that Trying alligator. to capture our fish and stuff, like being being greedy. Do you know how fast those guys can move? Yeah, pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah. They don't seem scary to me. That's I think that's their trick. Yeah. They're like, "Hey, so I'm late. just floating here." Yep. Like you put me in a shark pool or an alligator pool, I'm going to the alligator pool. Really? No, no. Here, here, I'm going to tell you why you don't, don't want to do that. Because they they roll you and, and then, then they tuck you under you. a log, and they let your body like decompose under a log, so that the, the meat's easier to tear off. Whereas the shark just like Sh- you're shark gone. gets over. They decompose your body. Yeah, they'll tuck you under a log, and like it's kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> they, they it's they roll you. So yeah, you're disoriented I knew that and, you drown, part. and then they wedge your body under something. Yeah, but I heard you can run zigzag and they can't get you. Oh, that, I'm talking in the water though. They yeah, but tu- if you're on land, yeah, they don't, don't tuck go. you under a dry log. Well, that's why. <laughs> so we were at this resort. <laughs> log. We were at this resort and there was like, it was on a bay and the water was brackish and there were signs like everywhere. And I'm like, I don't think there should be kids hanging out in the water. Because remember, Disney, Disney World has yeah. alligators. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, what I was just going to say. A kid was snatched a couple years ago. I was like, I'm probably not going to go swimming in here. But I don't know. It's probably rare, but could happen. Yeah. So anyway, so then I went to, we had like an kind of an extra day. Went to Miami, South Beach. That was really awesome. Have you ever been to South Beach? No. It was like, so it was like New York City on a beach to the cultural diversity and people and just actors and, and it was just it was really cool. cool what about um doing the miami marathon that's in january that would be pretty awesome i might have to look, look into that yeah yeah um so anyways uh i have one, one more story so i i had only run like a couple of times in the last week and so i was a little nervous i wasn't gonna have a a trash story for today <laughs> but, <laughs> but you redeemed yourself but the gods looked upon me this morning the trash gods so I'm ru- i was running this morning and it was uh up in highland town near our house and i looked down the sidewalks i'm running and there's like a, a dunkin donuts uh gift card 
And I was like, ah, like, I, I just thought. You figure it's. I figured somebody, like, stole someone's wallet or robbed their car. Oh, I just figured they used it all. And just sort of bleep. See, I, glass half full guy over here, I'm thinking someone's stuff was stolen and the people just, like, threw it out the gift cards because they went their credit cards. So. <laughs> So I was like, I'll it just, definitely wasn't Jared who robbed him. I just, I'll just inspect this situation. So I picked it up. Code wasn't scratched off on the back. Mm. And I'm, I'm thinking, well, nobody's just like taking them from the store and just throwing them. So, <laughs> so I get home. Um, cause I was coming back from driving my kids off. So I had the stroller and, and I was going to continue my run, but I was like, before I continue my run, I have to know. So I I did the thing called in with the code and everything. Five bucks on that card. Mm. Fresh Dunkin' Donuts gift card. So wow. did you get some Dunkin' Donuts? Not yet, but I'm probably going through this. Treat week. yourself. Yeah. I, uh, I think that's amazing. That's a stocking stuffer right there. <laughs> I might put that in my Mother's Day. Re-gift that. <laughs> put it on my Mother's Day card. Here you go, Enjoy Mom. Enjoy the donkeys. <laughs> uh, that's um, funny. So anyways, there's your trash story for the week. Very delightful. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, like... The idea of how many times I'd have to wash my hands after I picked up that card. I don't you would have never picked up five dollars yeah. would, would have been worth it for me. I mean, yeah, I guess it's one step away from picking up lottery tickets. Yeah, but yeah. that's but I think if people are throwing lottery tickets out, then it's like no, they they've, they've, with them. they've yeah. looked at them. They lost. But I could see your curiosity getting the best of Well, me. here's the thing. Some of the lottery tickets are... Losers, but you get a couple bucks. Well, because some of the games, unless they scan it at the register, like some of the games have interesting rules. Like there's a bingo game, but it's not only do you win with like lines, four corners is a win. <laughs> and I don't think a lot of people know that. <laughs> I don't know how you know that. <laughs> uh, well, A, if I ever do play the lottery, which is like once a year, I always get the bingo card. And one and one time uh, that actually happened where I was when I waited at table, somebody like left their scratch offs on there, and so I just like checked it, and it, it was the, that exact situation where they had four corners and they just like thought they lost. So what'd you win? It was like twenty five bucks. All right, nice Pretty tip. Good. Yeah, but yeah, a little extra tip. <laughs> wasn't wasn't the tip that we gave in Boston? But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, so enough of that. But. Back to running stuff, since that was a whirlwind of. A- I think that pretty much covers the running stuff. Like, what about uh? Is there any BQ oh, talk? Yeah, uh, we we did get a lot of suggestions. Mm-hmm. Thank you for everyone. Yeah, um, I don't know if we picked anything yet, and I'm kind of well relying on Megan. So, for everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe you should pick your own race though, instead of having her pick it. Do it like a, one of those spinny boards. Yeah. The real the real trouble is we have so many fall races we want to do and are potentially so, already doing. Well, I, we're already doing London and we're doing New York. So it's it's a matter of how do we fit in this one? And then like weekends, do we go, you know, on a free weekend? Do we go on a like, do I go solo? So here's my thing. I'm definitely doing it. Mm-hmm. Matt Kacharski or one of our trail Definitely guys. doing one within the window. Yeah. Okay. Matt Kacharski, our trail reviewer, is also, I, I found out, had the exact same plan. Okay. But and you, you want to know something weird? Trivia question about him? What? He's run. Oh, about our trail triathlons reviewer? Triathlons. He's run 100K. Ultras. He's never run a marathon? Yeah. Whoa. That just blew my mind. Yeah. yeah. So he's he's has the exact same time goal as me. Oh. So you're going to run together? Yeah. Like best friends holding hands? Yeah, probably. Okay. I think we're going to do like the 
matching three, outfits. Three-legged race thing. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> uh, I mean, that helps. That helps a ton. Like when yeah. I used to run with my buddy Stein. Doing, I thought you meant doing three-legged three races. I'm <laughs> like, I don't know. That probably not so much. But when I used to run with my buddy Stein, I loved training with him. And running the marathon was so much more fun because I actually, that's what I was actually thinking. I forgot I was thinking about that during the half this weekend. I was like, I miss having that training partner that I can run with. The last person I ran like kind of a marathon with was Jarrett. And uh, I just love that's a, such a fun way to do it. Yeah, it really is. And I, I did a lot of my hat training, my 50K training with Matt. So it was nice. Well, um, and I think it's like, especially when you're talking about the marathon distance, like you're not going to feel great the whole time. But if you have that person mm-hmm. who can carry you during the dark miles and then you can carry them during their dark, mi- dark yeah. miles, it's like so beneficial. Well, especially because a lot of the those last chance BQ races are really small races yeah. or like just in the middle of nowhere type right. thing. Yeah. So I think, and then, and then that that's one of the problems too. Like we have a spreadsheet. We have like five races that seem yeah, I saw doable it. right now. Yeah. But I think to me, Erie is looking like the most appealing one. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say there's one in West Virginia. That's a 10 PM start. That is very interesting to me because it would be in August, at the end of August, but it would be like in the mountains at night, so the temperatures Why? could be nice. Is that just for the temperatures? That's the 10 p.m. start? Yeah, I mean, I think they it's like the thing, their thing. It's okay. the Canaan Valley races. You know, oh, they, yeah. It's one of theirs. Yep. So it's like... I like that guy who puts on those races. Yeah, they do a good job. The problem that I have, like, when you mention this one, like West Virginia would be cool because if you're trying to ever do 50 states... Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to figure out one in West Virginia. True, but like how? Like I love morning starts because I'm like my stomach's empty. You know, no, you, I get you know, that. Fuel. That's the thing. It could either go really yeah. horribly or kind of what like. Plus, my clock is already like at nine thirty. I'm yeah. shutting down. So that's yeah. A, that's th- not the race for you. So that's the thing is that yeah. I've like also, I've done night training before and done night races, and I'm kind of appealing to me because I. Uh, but I still don't know if that would go well. I think I could be talked into Erie. So no set BQ marathon, but definitely doing a BQ marathon. No set. I'm, like oh, you haven't you, picked it yet, right? But you're definitely. But we have to one. really do it in the next week or so because yeah. I feel like um, training we could is start getting sold yeah. out. Oh, and that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm training. No, I'm definitely training for a September. It seems that every race is like September 10th weekend or. Mm-hmm. Maybe some of the It's usually office. that's the last. It's the second weekend. What's crazy is though, it's really hard to find. Like I searched pretty much every state in the Northeast, and like I don't think there's any in New. York. There's one near Syracuse, which I thought looked like a great option, but it had really bad elevation. Yeah, like, there's um, one here. Is an Adirondacks, the, the CNO Canal, right? Yeah, there's one here in DC. Oh yeah, I forgot about that one. That one might be the one for me. Which is like super, I mean, easy, obviously, logistics wise. I forgot about that. And the NCR. I loved. Or the. I've had two really good races on those. So like you can. Flat. Yeah. Trail races. I need to look that one up. Okay. Um, anyways, so that's exciting. I mean, I feel good. It feels exciting to have like a goal ahead of me. I like it. To roll my ankle halfway through and. <laughs> and completely. All we have to do to get off. you to. Uh, run the 26.2 is put certain pieces of trash on the ground like maybe an old walkman from the 80s at mile one 
than maybe like a backpack that's you have to put a, open. You have to put a blank cassette in that Walkman <laughs> Ooh, with like yeah. random recordings no, on it. The, the, you'll have the Walkman. Then, yeah, the cassette will be at mile two. <laughs> yes. The, the headphones will be okay. at mile three. Batteries. Yeah. <laughs> and, and a backpack that's half open with some interesting stuff coming out will be at mile five. You know. I mean. Robbie's it would keep me interested hunt. for sure. <laughs> and uh, we'll be like, you have five minutes to get there. Otherwise, we pick it up and throw it away. Oh, well, that's an interesting angle. Yeah. yeah I don't hate it. Yeah, it'd be like you're going to miss out. Well, there's it. a race in Texas called the Rocky Raccoon. We can make one yeah. called the Robbie Raccoon. I actually, I've always wanted to run the Rocky Raccoon. Really? I heard it's a good race. Yeah, I, I, I heard it's a very, if you want to do a 100 miler, it's a very good uh, first timer nice. 100 miler. Cool. Did you look something up, Meg? I was trying to find the more info about the CNO, but. Mm. You also get a belt buckle if you want a belt buckle. I don't know how your yeah. pants are holding up. But. Yeah, the belt buckles, people have a lot of those. Imagine wearing them. I can, but I don't think I have one belt buckle from I think one of the uh, one of the North Face like fifty milers gave a belt buckle. Yeah, but it looks so like uh, yeah. Like when he, I don't know. Yeah, I want if I'm gonna do it, I want like that one that's a hubcap size with the gold and the shiny metal. And yeah, like the whole. The yeah, whole you need thing. to get a ten gallon hat though and some cowboy boots. If you really I think want that, to do it right. I don't know that's a look I can pull off, but I'll try it. I think you could pull it off. Honestly, I think you could do cowboy boots and pull it off. I'd like to try. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like you to You got try. some skinny legs and a lanky ass. I just you gotta get, get some Wranglers. Yeah. Yeah. i hey, I've got an ass. Yeah. That's <laughs> me. I don't think you I got do. Chaps. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we got a couple of shoes here. Oh yeah. Um <laughs> but I like how you actually brought that one back to something relative. Okay. Yeah. Um <laughs> That's the first time for yeah. everything. Yep. We we've got a couple of shoes here. I am excited because I've I've thought that this was never going to happen. Oh, what Allbirds? Well, or, just sorry, blew the. Yeah, you kind of got, but the uh, <laughs> it, it's you. Robbie's been testing Allbirds since they came out with a run shoe, mm-hmm. and up until now, what has been your general feedback? Well, the general feedback has been that it's an Allbirds shoe just with a different, slightly different midsole. And that they weren't really running shoes. Like, if you had to run three miles, you could do it. But I would never put any of their r- previous running shoes as an actual running shoes. And you liked wearing them around, but they weren't Yeah, they weren't going to be something. I think one of the main things is that they had that wide platform, so their upper was always just so sloppy, like, on while running. Like, your foot was everywhere in that shoe, uh, like the Tree Dasher. Yeah. So you that was the Tree Dasher. What's the name of this shoe? It's called the flyer, right? The sure is the flyer. <laughs> All birds, the flyer. Uh, uh-huh. It looks for those who aren't watching the YouTube version. It looks like a Tesla Cybertruck that was made mm-hmm. into a shoe. Lots of angles, or like one of those like uh, those new destroyers that you that don't show up on radar. Oh uh, yeah, what are those called? Destroy like we can't tell because it's confidential. Secret ships. Yeah, <laughs> that should um, be the name of your next band. <laughs> secret ships. <laughs> uh this so what's different is that it's it is like a more narrow shoe it has they've done away with those like cheerio eyelets that's my favorite thing is that those are gone yeah because you can actually get like a good lockdown now laces are probably the worst laces i've ever seen on tried on this shoe they came untied every run so megan also complained about the laces yeah they're terrible they're not good 
So that's a... Uh, Does it come in different colors or is it pretty much this? Uh, it It's going to. They No, they always have like a crazy selection of colors of their shoes. Because this, I have to say this one, the midsole shape is the most defining characteristic of Yeah, the I mean, it's that angular thing that like kind of Asics has done with the Nova Blast. Uh, who else has done the hard... I think that we're going to start seeing this in the Alpha Fly 2. Okay, I think yeah. that the new Pegasus has a little bit more has angular. has an ex- extended heel thing that everybody's doing. It's going to come in a luxe beige, a Ooh. buoyant yellow, Ooh. and beige. this natural black. Ah. Nothing says let's go for a fast run like beige. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this does, to me, it like it does feel like you have a slab of foam under your foot. Like It's not like this amazing performance enhancing shoe, but... It's it's fine. Lots of shoes that we review are just foam midsole, right. outsole. So what? Because I was even surprised you came back and you like this shoe, and you're you're probably more particular than even Robbie and myself. Yeah. Well, I think also my expectations were real far at the bottom for this guy, and so I was just excited. I mean, the upper is like really comfortable. Like one of the first things I noticed was the step in feel of the shoe was amazing. This upper is like stretchy, super like accommodating it's of my wide foot. One of the better knit uppers, yeah. I think, that oh, wow. we've tried. And then... And the foam is not that bad. It's, like, pretty responsive and bouncy. I mean, I'm not going to take this out for a 15-mile run, but... You what know, about the outsole? 6K. It's crazy, like, it's traction. It's like a trail outsole. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. I mean, look at the lugs on that. Yeah, that's, that's... You know, that's interesting, though, because one of the things that in sustainability is they're using more natural rubbers. Mm-hmm. Um, does that come through, or does that feel... So I will say I thought it was pretty grippy. I was in the video review. I was telling Meg I was like chasing my kids around uh, uh, one of those staircases that's like a switchback. I don't know. <laughs> you know the staircase up by our house that at the AOL building. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The so, one that has a little like nubbies on it. Yeah. No, no, no not that one. Not the okay. death one. That doing. one hurt. That one's horrible. <laughs> Um, okay, I know what you're talking about. Anyways, yeah, it's a cement. It goes back and forth, zigzag. And so I, I was saw, like, I saw your chase. wife over there one day with them. Yeah, it's they yeah. they think it's a playground. I'm like, yeah, that, they call it the maze. I'm like, that's <laughs> that's just a handicap ramp. Um, it's a maze. It's great. And so it's amazing. <laughs> so I was chasing them, uh, doing the full 180 turns in this shoe. I was like surprised at how like, like grip, grippy and like nice. you could really corner in it. Um, so. Yeah, overall. Who would you recommend this shoe for? Like, what is, like, Meg said she wouldn't do 10 miles in it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's your. 15 is what I said. Oh. I might do, eh, no, I'd probably stick to six or seven. Yeah. I mean, they said it's a 10K shoe, so like 10K distance. So they know what to do with it. It's, this is for that person that maybe wants three miles a run, maybe three times a week. Yeah, or like, but. Uh, even like, so one of our friends we went on vacation with, she was like, I run five miles, you know, a day. She's like, has no idea about shoes or anything. She's like, yeah, I run five miles, like, you know, five days a week. And so it's like that person would love this shoe. She works as a doctor. She could wear this, you know, to work, to run in. You can't wear this to work. You know, that knit upper gets blood on it. You'll never get it out. I don't think she's a, I don't think she's she's just like a a family doctor. Uh. Actually. I don't know. Anyways. So it's going to be released uh, May 17th <laughs> for uh, $160. We got we to gotta start talking about blood, 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 blood spatter on shoes now. Well, I, I do think about that because all those nurses are wearing hokas and stuff. Yeah. but And we got exciting news, guys. By the way, 
Next week, we will be in San Francisco. It might be with a brand. We can say we can say the brands because okay. we're teasing the brands. All right. It's going to be uh, out there to check out a new product from Solomon and CLA. They're doing a joint project. But in the meantime, one of the shoes that we loved last year for the trail was the Ultra Glide mm-hmm. from Solomon. Yeah, that one was good. And this is the road version of the Ultra Glide, which gets kind of confusing because it says on the midsole Ultra Ride. So you're like, oh, that must be the name. But you're like, no, on this side, Glide Max. So Ultra Ride is the midsole foam? Ultra Ride is the midsole foam, but it, that's not exactly true either. It's an, what do they call this foam, Robbie? I just put it in my review. I, I forget the name of it already. They have a special name for this foam, but it's not Ultra Ride. So Ultra Ride is kind of like the. Energy Cate- Surge. Yeah, Energy Surge foam, which is an olefin-based uh, foam. Mm, you know all about fancy. that. Yeah. Mm. Um, but it's <laughs> Ultra Ride, I think, is this section of Solomon-type shoes. You know how they have, like, yeah. technical racers and this. These are the... So is this their Max Cushion shoe? Yes. Okay. Which is interesting. It definitely had, originally, when I first stepped into it, it kind of reminded me a little bit of the Nimbus Ooh. 24. Um, as I ran more into it, it started to remind me more of like a Hoka Rincon, the Rincon three to be exact. Really? Yeah. It kind of, it's definitely got cushion. It's one of those shoes. Normally I say you can't feel drop this one. You can feel the drop in and what's the drop 10 millimeters. And what it happens is it's got a flexible toe, but you start to feel some ground feel under the ball of your feet. Okay. So that was kind of a little bit disappointing after a while. But overall, I really like this shoe. Look, a lot of rubber. It looks like that old last for a while. Yeah, tons of rubber. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I like the look of the shoe. Yeah. I think I think it looks amazing. And yeah. I've seen some people be like, that's the ugliest shoe ever. I'm like, oh, you have no it. style. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Losers. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like it. I like the orange and white version. And at first, I was like disappointed that I got this over the orange and white version. But I've actually grown to like this more than the orange oh, and white that, version. That's like my favorite one. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's for those of you listening, it's kind of got like mm-hmm. a cloudy gray off white upper with black taping on it. Um, pretty simple. The lacing was something that I wasn't like in love with the way it works. Um, What's but, going on with brands and laces? I don't know. These, messing up. These ones, like, they get real thin as you're going, so you can feel the pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a very puffy tongue, not gusseted. It's a pretty simple upper. It looks like it'd be a nice yeah. just walking shoe. Mm-hmm. Type. Yeah, I th- and I do. I love it for uh, just walking. For running, I think it's one of those good daily trainers. Like, I did, I did one run, I think I was with Meg, so I had to pick up the pace a little bit. So I was running at a faster pace in it. It can handle it. Mm. Um it's but it's it's in the daily trainer catalog cool. uh, category, so right. yeah. Glide, I, I think Glide it's a, Max. I think it's one hundred fifty dollars. Um, That's reasonable. And I believe it comes out in July, July or August. Do you remember? I don't remember. I believe it's. I think it's July or August. So it'll be here soon. Yeah. Uh, so this guy has us excited. So so far this year, I did the um, Phantasm uh, CF, mm-hmm. which was their plated foam shoe. Yeah. Which is their their race day or long distance trainer? I enjoy, that enjoyed that one. Pretty good. I enjoyed this one. So they're they're coming around to the road, and I think that it's a it'll be nice to have another brand in the road section that you can yeah. kind of switch it up with. Oh, so there's a in Washington State. Uh, this woman was uh, hiking or whatever, and there's one of those 
privies. It's like uh, it's just like a natural outhouse. It's not like the chemical ones or whatever. And so she dropped her phone, like you know, probably while taking a selfie. We all know how you <laughs> drop your phone in the in the toilet, and it. I guess it like landed on the top of the stuff because it's like those outhouses are more like it's not as like liquidy, I think. And there's solid waste, I think they call it, Robbie. <laughs> yeah, but it's like you can still get like get down in there. And uh, and so I guess it landed on top, but it was like eight feet down. Like it was a lot bigger hole than just a normal wow. outhouse. Does she just not have depth perception? And she's like, I to, no, so I can, I can she was trying that. to like basically spelunk down into it with a dog leash. And like, Stop. no, for real. Like she tied her dog leash to something. Which, where was the dog? And, <laughs> and first she was trying to like use things to like hook it and not happening. So then she tried to tie on the leash and like spelunk down into it. I mean, well, imagine getting an iPhone X or I mean, what version are we on? 12. Do, and then you just spent, dropped 1200 bucks. Dude, the phone. I would throw $3,000 down there and never go back for it if that yeah. was the choice. Yeah. Like if my wallet had three grand in it and fell into it, one of those things, I'd be like, that's a shame. That's an expensive toilet break I just took. <laughs> yeah. And so she, yeah, obviously the leash broke or whatever, like came untouched and she fell right How long did it take till someone found her? I think it was a while because she, <laughs> so the phone obviously still worked. Oh no, the phone oh, worked God. and she called um, like re local rescue crew and they were like. Hey, I'm in an outhouse. They thought it was like a joke because they were like, obviously this has never happened before. Yeah. And um, luckily she didn't light a match <laughs> to see down there. So they, yeah, seriously. That's what they're saying. They're like, you, with those outhouses, it's basically just. You, you'll probably be fine, but with, just don't touch your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> or your eyes, she or did. your nose. <laughs> go pink eye for life there. No, she's got to go bathe and bleach after that one. Yeah, well, that's what, so that's what happened. They came down and, like, deloused her, essentially, and then offered her a hazmat suit to wear, which she declined. <laughs> really? I would have made her wear the hazmat. I would have taken that home as a souvenir from well, this not just not that. worried about like, anything. You know why they wanted her to wear a hazmat. Not to, Take not to keep stuff out from her. Oh, to, to get, keep, yeah, to keep yeah. that smell mm -hmm. <laughs> inside. But um, so does her phone work? I guess so. Uh, they didn't. Obviously, she didn't want to give her name or like. You know, probably why she went down there. It was she was probably using Strava for the hike, and she wanted to stop the hike so uh, she didn't <laughs> lose her FKT. <laughs> yeah, dude. She lost that FKT. <laughs> Anyways, so I gotta say, I don't think I'm going. I don't think I'm doing that. That's good to know. But you never know you until you're in that situation. That <laughs> you know what I would do? I'd be like, if I drop my phone in there, I would be like, I'd come out of the bathroom. Hey, Robbie, you won't, you, you won't believe it. There's Someone an iPhone the <laughs> sitting right on top of this shit. <laughs> Robbie goes, no way. And he'd go, look. And he'd go down there and get it. I'd be like, thanks, brother. <laughs> and, it's, and it's unlocked. Yeah. It's jailbroken. Anyone could use it. <laughs> I, I can't stop envisioning this woman like putting a dog leash around her and trying to like... Like, oh right! Will lay like, down there. This this situation like a to, psychopath. <laughs> just the idea of like, In, I'm going. I'm gonna go full. Just putting uh, Shawshank your, Redemption. Yeah, to get this from. Well, even if you were rappelling down, the fact that you're inserting your body into that hole cool. yeah. is horrible. Andy Terrifying. Dufresne. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what she was going for. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's some. That's some scary shit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it is, quite literally. But anyways, so that's about that's it for this week. I think I don't know. Do you have anything else? I think that's it. I think that's it. Like, uh, but next week, 
Are we going to be doing live podcasts while we're out in San Francisco? Not live, but we will be recording podcasts. Okay. I can't say with who yet. We cannot. No. We cannot. No. But it's going to be great. Get excited. Yeah. And we hope to see some of you from San Francisco, if you're in the area, out to join us. We'll we'll give more information. Yeah, we'll give you the, the sweet deets next week. Um, All right. It's time for some Kathy Dirks. Yeah. Enjoy. All right, first check-in. How's your run going? What are you up to? Are you also looking for a fall BQ marathon, or are you just gobbling up miles for fitness? Either way, it's good to be out here. Hope you're enjoying the show so far. All right, Meg, so who do we have this week? All right, this week we are chatting with Kathy Dirks. Kathy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here with you guys. This might be the first athlete that I met at a bar oh. that's on the podcast. <laughs> so that's that's a distinction. I feel honored. <laughs> I mean, we're we're all feeling pretty good <laughs> when when we met. We were, it was post-Boston Marathon, and uh, I think all of us had been celebrating the day. Yep, and I think that you were the one that told me that you drink vodka because you don't gain weight from vodka. This is the truth. <laughs> I mean, it's, a, it's sort of a truth. <laughs> yeah, so we met Kathy in Boston after she ran a blazing 234. So wow. first of all, Kathy, congratulations, and how are you feeling? Thank you, thank you feeling really good. Um, my body is recovering well. Quads are finally coming around and not screaming at me anymore, but I'm, I'm feeling well and ready to get back to running. I love that. So before we dive into all things Boston, because I do want to hear about that race day, take us back, way back to where you first started running. I had first started running, um, in eighth grade, I joined the track team, really didn't have any interest in it. I just did it because my friends were all doing it. And just to stay busy, I was my, my main focus was basketball, volleyball. Entering high school, I didn't do cross country. I joined the volleyball team, did basketball, but I did join the track team. And I was a short sprinter with them. Um, and then after my first track season, I realized that I need to turn over to the dark side, ran cross country, quit the volleyball team, still played basketball. So I was a three sport athlete all through high school. And then going into college, I ran all four years at the University of Wisconsin Stevens Point. And I ran all four years of indoor outdoor track where my specialty was 200, 400, 800. And then I also ran three years of cross country. No, two years of cross country. I joined my junior year and I only joined the cross team in college to work on my 800. And then after college, I realized that I can't just randomly participate in 400 and 800s anymore. Um, and 
through college, we still had our long runs every weekend, and that's really where my stem of distance running came, or like my love for distance running came from. And then after college, um, I just started to run farther and farther after work. I was still pretty active within that, just my joy of running and passion within that stayed pretty strong. Um, and then actually like my, my goal and like why I started marathon training was because one day I was out on a run and I was like, I want to run the Boston Marathon. So I'm just, I'm going to sign up for a marathon run and see what I can do and hope to qualify. <laughs> and so my first marathon was in 2018 and I ran a qualifying time a day after the registration closed. So wasn't able to participate the next year, and then COVID happened, and then COVID, and then virtual, and now I'm finally able to come. So this was this Boston trip was like four years coming. So it was it was a huge buildup. Hold, hold hold on a second though. You're saying that your second marathon is the Boston Marathon? No 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 no. I ran like I've this the Boston was my sixth marathon. But I ran my first marathon, which was a qualifying time. And I haven't just been able to go to Boston just because of the world yeah, and stuff. life. Um, but I've ran other marathons in between there. So your first marathon uh, in 2018, I have your athletes pulled up here because I'm fascinated by it, uh, was a 301. Yep. Okay, so... Going into that marathon, your goal wasn't just to finish a marathon. It was to race a marathon, I'm assuming. I mean, 301 is a pretty fast first marathon time. Like, did you know that? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, people always ask me that. And going into my first marathon, I had zero idea of what I was doing. Zero idea. I pulled a random training plan off of, off of online that I Googled. Followed that, ran all my runs the same pace, had no idea what I was doing. And like the only, like I still had my speed from running all through college and everything. So I had all my fast twitch muscles still just firing all the time. So the combination of that training really led me to my 301, but otherwise I had no idea what I was doing. But so through middle school and high school and college, obviously you stuck with running. Was it because you were successful at it and you were seeing like growth and success and progress or did you just love running? Like what kept you at the sport? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Both. I just genuinely like have a passion for running and competing. Um, <clears throat> but I didn't. And I was, and I was successful. I shouldn't say that I, I wasn't. I was very successful um, through high school and college. And I actually have two All Americans with the four by four team that I ran in in college. So um, I guess that's kind of still it's still instilled in me just that competitor and just always trying to get the next person in front of me. Um, so yeah. Okay. I mean, the, the, the crazy thing for me is, and, and we're seeing this from time to time, is these unsponsored athletes that just pop out of seemingly nowhere to us. But obviously you, you have a career from, from all the way stemming back from high school and college. But it, it's just mind-blowing. Like we see you and go, okay, 
She doesn't have a sponsor. Just ran a 134 in Boston. Two. 132, yeah. No, 234. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Numbers aren't my strong suit. Anyway, like it's like blazing and like I mean, has, do you feel like you're getting the uh, attention that that time uh, deserves or like how do, how do you feel about that time and being an amateur and and being what was her place at boston eighth american 18th overall which is kind of sick <laughs> at a world major um yes and no um definitely feeling all the love from my friends family community um people that i ran with in college um but i don't get a lot of attention from companies <laughs> or like people reaching out to me for like sponsorships or anything like that, um, which I'm not really surprised about because sponsorships are really hard to get. So yes, like 2.34 is a very fast time, but I don't feel that that's attention worthy yet. And that might just be the amateur coming out in me, like not really knowing or still being relatively new to marathons and being at this level of an athlete um but i don't like nobody has reached out to me to like join their team or be a sponsor or anything like that and, and you were wearing uh asics metaspeed sky for for this race right yep how did you choose that shoe for the race because like that's the fascinating thing is as a unsponsored amateur you could pick anything you want and any gear, mm -hmm. any clothes, any nutrition, uh, what made you pick the Metaspeed Sky for this attempt? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, honestly, I, I always used to wear the Saucony Pros, um, and I would wear the Saucony Speeds for my training workouts, but they started to hurt my feet. And so I was like, I want to try something else. And I haven't really, I've never ran in Nikes. And so I was like, I don't really just want to jump into a Nike shoe because I have a little bit wider foot and Nikes are a little bit more narrow. So I was like, I don't want to just jump into them. I'm going to explore what my other options are because they're like, regardless of brand, there's people like very successful professional athletes who are wearing numerous brands that like can contribute and compete to to the nike shoes so like i'm gonna reach i'm gonna try the asics and i first had bought the meta or like their training shoe or like not not the fully carbon plated the, shoe the, the meta speed yes yes i tried the meta speed because that was like the equivalent to the saucony speed and i really liked that and so I was like, I'm going to just try the Meta, this Meta, the Meta Speed Sky. And I didn't realize that ASICs had the two different carbon-plated shoes focused towards either being a cadence runner or a stride runner. And so I, my cadence doesn't really change, so I was like, I'm going to go with the Sky. Wore them for the first time, and I was like, my feet feel at home. Like, I am cruising along in these shoes, and when, like, tailored to being a, a stride runner, I could totally feel it right off the bat the first workout that I did with them. 
very responsive. They're a little bit more aggressive than the Sauconies, but they're lower to the ground and they have a, a wider toe box. So my foot could finally like spread out to what it needed to. And just like I said, being lower to the ground, I felt way more secure. So I was like, this is it. Never turn it back to the Sauconies. <laughs> Damn, that was a good shoe review too. Like I the know. way you described that is very understandable of what, <laughs> appeal to you about the shoe a lot of times we talk to people and they're like i just like that one um but <laughs> that's awesome and uh the new version we just uh it just came off embargo this past uh week mm -hmm. so we've been posting pictures of that and you're going to get a little more cushioning did you find that by the time that you were at the end of the boston marathon that you were still comfortable like feet were still comfortable for the most part yes um my my the balls of my feet were like going numb and hurting a little bit but I mean that's 20 miles of racing on your feet plus being a new shoe I only had 20 miles on those shoes before I ran in them in Boston um <clears throat> so my foot still getting familiar to the shoe but otherwise like yes they were comfortable and I would highly recommend and I'm interested to see what the new version is all about okay there's there's more cushion and i think the plate got moved a little bit further away from the foot so the balls of your feet should feel a little better at that uh mm -hmm. later stage so it's i think it's going to be a really good update and uh emma uh bates has been running in it and i know some of the other sarah hall so yeah we'll we'll definitely have to get make sure you get a pair <laughs> <laughs> i won't say no yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, I want to go back real quick to your marathon progression a little bit. So after you run that first 301, and you said you did that with random training, not really knowing what you were doing, at that point, did you realize after you ran that first one, oh, hey, I'm pretty good at this, I want to break three hours? Like, what was your mindset after that first one? Yeah, after that first mine or after that first marathon, I joined a few local running groups, got connected with other runners, and it wasn't until then when I really started to get into the marathon training because obviously as you guys know, the running community is just phenomenal and the connections that you make with other people, sharing what you love, sharing the struggles, sharing the workouts and everything. So that's really what got me into having a passion for the marathon distance. Um, and so I didn't, being so new to running marathons, I didn't know what was good or what was bad until I started joining them. And they're like, hey, like you can do some stuff here. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but I, I didn't have, like I went into my second marathon still like self-coached all of that and then it wasn't until after that then I started working with my current coach where we started to tailor my workouts specifically towards the marathon doing specific training including weight training so she's really the minds behind what I do and she does all the hard work I just run the miles <laughs> who's your coach my name her name's Callie Bartell okay so quick question for you, as you get faster and you're at that level where not a lot of women are going to be able to maybe join you for your runs and your workouts, are you finding that you're running with more men 
in these groups or are you finding yourself running by yourself? On a day-to-day basis, I pretty much train all alone. Um, I do have one other gentleman that I do run with. His name's Tyler, and we we just mainly run our easy runs together. Um, he's he's pretty fast too. He just ran a two forty six at CIM this past um, January, so he's right up there and doing really really well. And I'm excited to see where he's going. But we but and not, he's also coached by Callie too. Yeah, but not as fast um, as you. <laughs> What? But not as fast as you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we will run a majority of our training runs together, but I mainly am alone doing all my workouts alone and everything. So. All right, second check-in. What's your motivation behind this run today? You out here to uh, get that extra fitness in? Are you getting ready for that race like we talked about earlier? Or are you just addicted to running? And if you don't, you'll lose your mind. And so this is a way to get some therapy during the day. Any of these are fine answers. Let's get those miles. Your second marathon, you do a 250. I have to imagine you're thinking about OTQing. Was that a, yes. a goal? Okay, talk to us about yes. that and what happened. I ran the 250. Um, and then after that, I was signed up to run the Milwaukee Lakefront Marathon. I think that coming fall. Um, but going into Milwaukee, I ran like a 259 there, I think. Um, but going into the race, I well, I was really sick. I had a few injuries. Shouldn't have even gone to the start line. And so ran that race. I don't remember any of it, so I can't recall. Um, and then I took a lot of time off after that. I didn't run for close to five or six months. Um, just trying to get healthy, recover from my injuries, and then I jumped back into it. And then my first race back healthy, I ran, that's when I ran in Carmel, Indiana, and that's where I ran my 239. What was what was going through your head during those five or six months when you weren't training? Like, were you were you fine with the downtime? Were you struggling with the downtime? What was that experience like? It was a, a daily struggle, especially because I would see all my friends running, achieving their goals, and I was so happy for them, but it, it's just FOMO. Like, I wanted to be there doing my thing, my passion. I was still able to stay active for the most part. Um, I biked a lot. I ellipticaled a lot, but I had two, I had four stress fractures. I had two in my both my heels and then one in each of my shins. So any, like any sort of strength training, jumping, plyometrics, running was a no-go. So I was, I, I sat on my butt a lot <laughs> and it was hard mentally. It was more mentally hard than physically hard than anything. And that time frame overlapped with the, the Olympic trials, right? Mm-hmm. So you got to watch mm-hmm. that. I mean, that must've been in itself hard because I'm sure you wanted to be out there with all those women. 
Yes, that was especially hard. But knowing that that wasn't the last trials and I would still have another opportunity to go for it. And at that time, like I really wanted to be there, but my focus, I had to shift to just getting healthy. My focus was just getting back to the start line. So I couldn't, I couldn't focus on really anything else but that. Did you work with anybody on the mental side or did you just deal with it on your own? Um, yes and no. I would talk to some people. Um, I saw a therapist for a little while, but I stopped seeing them and then I just kind of dealt with it on, on my own. So that was hard too. Because Wisconsin doesn't really have a lot of sports-specific therapists. And so just going to, I don't want to say normal, but just <laughs> going to a normal therapist, they don't have the athlete mindset or the experience of working with other athletes. And so when I would try to explain to them what I was feeling or what I was um, experiencing, they couldn't relate and they, they didn't really have a whole lot to give back to me. And practicing cross states with other sports therapists, it's expensive and a lot of times not covered by insurance. And so that's why I didn't go back to any, to see anybody for help. Um, just because it's a big expense. Yeah, that's interesting because when we first wanted to start talking about nutrition with running, we talked to a nutritionist that was not a sports nutritionist that was just, you know, maybe something that you would go to if you wanted to lose a couple pounds or something like that or change your eating habits. And we went to one visit and we were like, I don't think she understands us at all. Like she was telling Megan to be on less than 2,000 calories. And I'm like, this woman is running... 70 uh 70 miles a week yeah it just it wasn't tailored for an athlete and so that's very relatable like i just it really you have to understand the athlete to really recommend you know best practices yeah absolutely and i think both of those things on the mental side and the nutrition side when it comes to the mental state of running and competing it's often not talked about and so when, when you do try and reach out for other people, and it, it's, it's not as common to talk about that, and, it, and it's uncomfortable for a lot of people. Um, so, yeah, totally agree that people just don't understand unless you're in it. So you go and run this 239 coming out of this sort of, you know, downtime for you. I mean, that must have been an amazing experience and day and sort of make you feel like it was all worth it. All the time and effort and energy that I put into just resting and recovering and doing all the little things right, it just finally all came together. And the, I, I, I call that my celebration race because it wasn't about the time, it wasn't about the place, it was the fact that I worked so goddamn hard to get there. So I celebrated all of that hard work. And it just so happens that I ran a great time on top of it. And you did you win? I won females. Yeah. 
I think there, <laughs> there was a male who <laughs> there was a male who ran that race who ran like 228. But I just need to set the stage for you guys for this race. And I love telling this story <laughs> because it was in the dead of COVID. And so nobody was racing. This race was in a small town in Indiana. And I think a total between the marathon and half marathon, 400 people or less. And it's the Veterans Memorial Marathon. And all of the, or a majority of the, volu- of the volunteers are veterans. And so I'm crossing the finish line. And it's a very cold day. Very cold. Real feel of, I think, 10 or 12 Oof. degrees. Mm. And so I'm bundled, but I'm sweating and I'm cold. And I cross the finish line just trying to catch my breath. You guys know the feeling. <laughs> and this, this veteran volunteer comes up to me and he he's patting me on the back and he goes, Honey, go get some chili. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm okay, I'm okay. He's like, No, you need to get the chili. There's soup in there. Go get it, go get it. He's like kind of like pushing me and shoving me. And I'm like, I'm okay, I'm okay. He's like, Oh, I'll go get you some. I'm like, I'm okay, I just need some water. He's like, oh, okay, well, that's over there. And I'm like, you're going to go get me chili, but you can't get me a water? And I'm just like, okay, whatever. He, he probably and made like, the no chili. Spectators. <laughs> What'd you say? He, I said he probably made the chili. <laughs> that's why I was like, you got to have probably. it. But you, you look at a race like that where there's 400 people and it feels like 10 degrees. That's 400 hardcore people. Those aren't. And, you know, especially during COVID, the people that wanted to race that bad, you know, these, these are competitors. And you, you see that like for a little tiny race like that, a guy coming out and running a, a 228 or whatever. I mean, these are people that want, are, are dying to get out there for a race. So, I mean, the numbers could offset a little bit of like who's actually out there. A lot of people who competed traveled. I think he came from like states away just to participate. Yeah. I I meant to ask because when I saw the date, I'm like, November 2020, that was like COVID time. I didn't even know that this race happened. (laughs) Nobody did. (laughs) 400 people did. (laughs) How did this get on your radar? So two other girlfriends ran the race with me. And I think one of them just said, hey, this race is happening. Let's do it. And I was like, okay. So it like it wasn't promoted at all. Yeah. All right, so quick question for you on the psychological side. Different people run different. They perform best at different mental states. Some people are good at running angry. Some people have to be in a good mood. And some people, you know, what is it uh, when you know that you step up to the line, what kind of frame of mind do you know you're going to have a good day? I think when I'm just totally relaxed, totally relaxed and happy. And I just truly have a passion for running and knowing that I have the ability to do what I love every single day and just approaching the start line thinking a lot of people wish that they could be here and just having the opportunity to show up for myself, show up for my family, um, 
brings me a lot of joy. And so just knowing that I have them alongside me and just being totally calm. All right. So let's talk about Boston. You, I mean, we already know you run a 234. You are the eighth American, 18th female overall. You beat people like Natasha Wodak and Sarah Vaughn. You're running in the pro field. Let's just start from the beginning. How were you feeling at the start line? Was it that calm, happy that you were just describing? It was, actually. Um, And I think a lot of that came from that we're shuttled to the start far in advance before the race. So I had the opportunity to just hang out with all the other pro runners for a little bit before the race. And just... It, what calmed my nerves was to see them calm, to see them chatting, to see them just being a normal athlete, just like everybody else. And so that like brought me down a little bit. But also I was calm because I didn't have anything to prove. I'm not sponsored. I don't ha- like I wasn't doing it for anybody else. I was doing it for myself. So if I blew up, cool. If I performed really well, double cool. So I didn't have any pressure to run a certain way or be with anybody else. I mean, there had to be a little pressure that Believe in the Run might interview you (laughs) if you did well, right? (laughs) That was in the back of my mind. (laughs) Okay. How, talk to me about the actual process of getting on the pro field. Like, how does that work? Do you submit a time? Do they reach out to you? What does that look like? So on the actual registration that everybody else registers for, there's just a box where you can click register as a professional athlete. And then they review all of the applications. They send you an acceptance letter and then... They tell you that you can't, you're not allowed to announce it or anything like that. And then the day of that, they're going to announce it. Like they, they were like, well, we'll announce it mid February or January or whenever they did. And then the morning of the announcement, they'll say, they'll give you the press release. They'll give you all the information and then you're able to share. How cool is that? Did you save the letter? Is it framed or anything? <laughs> no, but it's, I have it in my inbox still. Oh, it's a digital. <laughs> I thought maybe you got like a paper. How? Like acceptance to college. How crazy Thomas, is it? It's the 21st century. I know. <laughs> well, wait, I thought, you know, the uh, mail delivery guy <laughs> on, on horseback. It's, it's Boston. It's not that. Yeah. The pigeon. Yeah. The pigeon teletype. Is it? Is it not a little crazy to think that? A few years ago, you were trying to qualify to run this race with us amateurs in the normal field, and now the first time you tow the line at Boston, it's with a group of professional women. It's just an incredible feeling, and it's hard for me to wrap my brain around. And I tell people this all the time because I train alone. I live in a small town where we have a running community, but it's not a running community like being in Chicago or Boston. Um... So I just view myself as the average everyday runner. And so being able to experience it on a bigger platform and with Olympians is just, it was an incredible feeling. 
It was the deepest field ever, too. Mm-hmm. That's the crazy thing. So you did well, but you did well in the deepest pro field they've ever had at Boston. Isn't that correct? Am I? Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Wisconsin, you betcha. (laughs) (laughs) You mentioned that the pros were chatting like casually before the race start. Were you chatting along with them? And who were you talking to? And what were you guys talking about? Mm hmm. Yeah, I was I was chatting with them all morning. Um, I don't I don't remember everybody's name, but I mean Molly was there, Sarah was there, um, Stephanie Bruce was there. Um, Des, Nell, and Des were kind of like off doing their own thing, getting in their mind or getting like ready, um, but. There was just a, a big group of women who were just all hanging out. And in that church, it's cold. It was freezing. And so we were all just like in a small room that was the warmest room in the whole church, just trying to body heat and not be freezing. So um, they had yoga mats and everything down for us, too, that we could sit on and stretch out and towels. So we were... It, it was so fun. And talking about everything from the race to everyday life to dating, you name it, it was probably out there. Oh, I'd like to have a microphone in that room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the gun goes off. I'm sure that your coach and you had some sort of a race plan. Tell us, did you follow it? What was like the, the start like? Did you go out with a pack? Yes, we did have a race plan, but it was kind of like a tentative pencil in race plan <laughs> because this was my first Boston and I, I, I prepared myself as much as I could for the race, but you don't actually know what to expect until you're actually out there. And so I watched some videos on YouTube to kind of visually see the course, but it's so different than actually running. And then just talking to other people about the hills and the course and the rolling hills and the flat part. It's like, well, that can also be kind of relative because a hill, a bad hill to me, could be an easier hill to you. And so I I knew what to expect, but also at the same time, I didn't. And so going into it, we just kind of talked about paces and where I should be, how I should feel, that sort of thing. And I told my coach after, I was like, Callie, regardless of how I ran, like time-wise, place-wise, I'm happy about how smart I ran that race because I'm still new at at marathon running and I an amateur. (laughs) And so I still, I've totally reframed my mindset of just going rogue and being stupid about my racing and just running with them because I can run with them. So I told her, I was like, regardless of what happened, I'm happy about how smart I ran that race. And I ran within my limits because we started the race and we were downhill. And I started, I clicked off my first few miles and I was like, okay, this is fine. But it kept getting faster and faster. And I looked down at my watch and it was like 515, 520. And I was like, shit. (laughs) This is exactly what my coach told me not to do. 
So going into the race, I was talking to a few other girls and we kind of wanted to be around the same time. So I look over and I was like, I'm pulling back now. And they like looked down at their watch and they're like, yep, sounds good. So we pulled back immediately. And I'm so glad that we pulled back when we did because we could see like the lead pack just immediately, there was a big gap, but we could see people falling off like just continuously. And we both look at each other. We're like, oh, we made the right decision there. And then going into the, to the flat part between like 10, 11, we're like, okay, we don't have to do anything here. This should be super easy. Shouldn't be pushing the pace at all. We have the whole rest of the race. Like the race didn't even start yet. And so we, I had some of my, besides the hills, I had some of my slowest miles within those, the flat part. Um, but then after that, I was alone. After mile 11, 11 and alone, all the way to the finish, I was solo. So, so there wasn't even like, men catching up from the regular group or you were just out there in that no man's land the whole time. Mm -hmm. Wow. Which I was surprised that no men were catching me because it, the men in that first wave can run 220 to 25. I, I for sure thought someone was, people were going to start catching me around the halfway point because even though that's only 15, like they started 15 minutes later, but they're running yeah. so much faster. So nobody caught me, even at the end, which I was surprised about. Oh, actually, I take that back. One man caught me at the end. How did you feel about the hills? Like, I know you were prepared for them, but were they what you expected? Yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, going into it, I was like, okay, there's four hills. And, but I don't even know where, like I, I ran the first two and I was like, okay, mentally we're done with those behind us, just tackle the next two. And I don't even know where hill three was. All I know was the first two and then heartbreak. So I totally missed the third one. That's and so then cool. after the fact, I was like, where was it? You That's know, awesome. What's so funny about that is I felt like the hill at 19, which I think is like the third hill was the worst one of the whole day. And apparently you just really? flew over that one. <laughs> I thought the, the second one at mile 17 was the worst. That's where we waited last year. Yeah. For, for, yeah. So we, we were actually filming someone last time that was doing Chicago, Baltimore, and Boston all back to back. And um, we were at that 17. And th we got to see several athletes just struggle mm -hmm. up that hill. Mm -hmm. You're, you're by yourself the whole time, but are you every few miles passing any women? Every few miles I was. Um, but even though I was alone, I never felt like I was alone because you guys know the crowd there is phenomenal. And so there was still people cheering for me the whole time, every step of the race. So even though I was running alone, I never felt like I was alone. But I, I started to catch some people um, later on in the race towards the last few miles. And I didn't know where I was in regards to place or anything because I can't see. So I, I had no idea how well I did until I got back to my phone and my fiance was like, you kicked ass. <laughs> <laughs> 
And so are you looking at your watch at all during the race? Like does pace, I mean, obviously in the beginning you didn't want to go out too fast, but once you sort of set into that controlled state, are you still trying to hit a certain number finish time wise, keep a certain pace, or are you just running everything by feel? Mm-hmm. Honestly, I, I knew, like I was looking at my watch, I could see the splits, but everything was all over the place. So I wasn't running even. I, I was I was consistent between the 540 and 550 range, um, but with the rolling hills and then the hills, I, nothing was consistent. And so I was just truly running based off of feel. Yeah. Like I used the downhill to my advantage the best that I could, um, and then just working up the uphills step by step. So. But <laughs> I, I was going to say there, there's got to be a leap sort of between and you come from the track and cross country. So you're used to running these faster paces. But was there a psychological component to like dropping below six minute miles for long runs and stuff like did you have to kind of hit a threshold where you're like, I'm comfortable running in the high fives, uh, you know, versus being in the low sixes? That's just wrapping your brain around the thought of running that fast for that long, I think is the biggest thing that people have to overcome in order to get faster. So just being okay with seeing the faster times on your watch and being able to dissociate the time with the discomfort was the biggest thing that I had to overcome. But I was actually having a conversation with my fiance about this yesterday when I said that running the 800 was worse than running a marathon. <laughs> and he just like, he, he's a football player. And so he, he understands distances in football fields. So he's like, I just can't comprehend that. And I'm like, Yes, but for an 800, you're running 2 minutes, 10 seconds. For an, a marathon, you're running for 2, 3 hours. With the marathon, it's slow and steady. But with the 800, the pain that you're in that entire time is horrible. And so I think that's why I'm okay with a little discomfort with the longer paces because I've hurt a hell of a lot worse than what that feels like. We always say that about the 5k. Uh -huh. We're like 5k's are horrible. <laughs> They're just the worst yes. if you're running them hard versus uh you know it, it is it's like uh we were doing a run this morning and I felt like we dropped it down to half marathon pace for me which would be a slow crawl for you and I was just like this feels comfortable because I've been doing so much stuff that's been uncomfortable that it's just slightly less uncomfortable so mm -hmm. getting back to the mindset like what did you do to get like was there a trick or did you just have to just keep practicing to get to the point where the effort and the pace you disassociated so that you weren't like freaked out by the fact that you were now running 26 miles at a sub six minute pace i actually do a lot of visualization leading up to the race and even going into a lot of my workouts and long runs. I visualize myself running those workouts, running the races at that pace. I visualize how I'm going to feel and 
how, how it should feel. And I always go into my races and workouts breaking it up. And what I mean by that is I never go into a marathon thinking I have 26 miles ahead of me. I go into the race and I break it up by when I take my nutrition. So I go into it from the start being like, I only have to run six miles right now. Six miles. That's all I have to do. Take my nutrition. Race starts over. I only have to run five or six more miles right now. The past is the past. It's a new race right now. I only have to run this much. So it's really just five by five mile repeats. <laughs> and so that's what gets me through the mental piece of tackling the marathon. And I do that for pretty much all my workouts too. I just take it rep by rep. All right, final check-in. This has been a great run. And hopefully you've enjoyed our interview with Kathy Dirks so far and you're getting pumped up. And uh, I don't know, like it's pretty amazing to her story. If you think about it, this is somebody who's not a pro who's beating pros on the world stage. If that doesn't get you motivated, that doesn't get you excited. I don't know what will. So keep those smiles rolling. Like specifically during Boston, was there a time where you got uncomfortable or, you know, things hurt and how did you get yourself out of that? Or was it a perfectly great day that you never felt bad? For the most part, I felt okay throughout the entire race. But those last few miles after the hills, I was like, come on, let's just get to the finish line. And everyone probably feels like that. I'm, I, I know I'm not the only one. Um, but otherwise, I felt I felt good throughout the whole race. Okay, so this time officially qualifies you for the Olympic trials in 2024. That has to be a pretty amazing. I mean, it is an amazing accomplishment. Like how how are you feeling post race, and are you going to take time to relax and take some time off, or is your mind already churning for the next thing? <laughs> yeah. Um, Super, super excited that I did qualify officially for the trials because even though I had some qualifying times, I knew I wasn't within the window. And so there's always that little piece of me that was like, can I actually get there again? <laughs> um, so knowing that I do have my time takes a little bit of ease off of me. Um, I am not running a fall marathon this year because I'm getting married. So I'm just going to fully embrace the, the wedding season. I'm getting married October 1st, so I'm going to fully embrace it. And I'll, I'm planning on racing Houston in January of 2023. So between now and then, I'll just run a few shorter races. Um, I'll run a half marathon. And I'll still be training and everything. I just won't. That just won't be my main focus this fall. Okay. And we're excited for your wedding, <laughs> but um, so when you're setting up these goals for like your next round, or do you already have numbers in your head that you're like, I think I can squeeze out a few more minutes or there's a goal time I'd love to be at. I mean, you're 
everybody likes those round numbers and you're right there hovering around the 230 mark, sub 230 mark. Like what's what's going through your head? At Houston, I'd really like to be around 232. Just knowing what I did in Boston and that course, I know that I can run faster than a 234. Especially with how I felt throughout the day, I know I can run faster than that. Here's Megan's favorite three questions at the end of the podcast. Headphones or no headphones on a solo run? Headphones. All right. What's on your playlist? I listen to 90s country. (laughs) All right. Well, that would include some of Megan's favorite Taylor Swift, so. I don't, do you count her? Probably not. Maybe. Any Taylor on there? No, I didn't think so. She's not real country. Okay. Okay. (laughs) What is your, ooh, we kind of know this, I think, celebratory post-race meal or beverage or both? Oh, chicken sandwich, sweet potato fries, and the hoppiest IPA I can find. Nice. I love it. We know you have another career, so is, are you, do you have your dream career or is there something else you, you would pursue? Mm-hmm. I, yes, my full-time job, I am a corporate recruiter. Um, but if I was not a corporate recruiter, I would love to be a sports dietitian, just like Featherstone. I, it's just so fascinating to me and just helping others achieve their goals and the chemistry and how the body works and the physiology behind it is just so intriguing to me. Well, well we... We should get you uh, into the Featherstone Nutrition uh, University that you're starting. <laughs> I should go in it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Kathy, thank you so much. It was super fun to hear a little bit more about your background and how you got into running. And I'm just so excited for you. And congrats again on an amazing performance in Boston. I hope that you celebrate this for a long, long time. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. It means a lot. Yeah, remember us when you're a big stud and you have all the, uh, you know, pro contracts coming at you. Yeah. <laughs> when we see you at places, you still got a wave. <laughs> I doubt that will happen, but I will always remember you. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Thanks. Well, that was wonderful. Thanks to Kathy Dirks for coming on. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you think of Dirks? Yeah, Dirks Bentley. <laughs> Who's Dirks Bentley? That country singer? Mm-hmm. All right. Isn't it? You know from the name. You're just like, that's a country singer. Yeah, yeah that's pretty much where I was going. Yeah. I don't mind Dirks. It's pretty yeah. good. Mm-hmm. Both Dirks. Dirks means you got something good going on. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I also think of like Joe Dirks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was good. I listen to a podcast like uh, David Spade last week. What about? Um, just him BS and there might be a Joe Dirt three coming. We're not. Oh. There's a Joe Dirt two. Yeah, it was like straight to like Crackle or something. That weird streaming service. Oh. <laughs> Wibble. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I didn't even know there was a second one. Yeah, but I don't know. As long as Brandy's in it, I'm I'm there for that. All right. Cool. So we'll see. All right, anybody you want to thank, Meg? Uh, thanks to the listeners, as always. Uh, thanks for tuning in every week. And hi, Ma. Yeah. 
Oh, you're going to be in, speaking yeah, of mom, I'll you're going to be Ma. in Florida. You probably are when this podcast comes out, uh-huh. right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So you can say hi we'll to her person. We'll be chilling. Yeah. Chilling. Cool. All right. All right, that's it. Enjoy your week. You didn't uh, see the hidden track. <laughs> <laughs>